Hey everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Zach. And Adam? Hey, how's it going? You know what? It's going good. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about a, uh, a writer who I, I like to think is a bit of a uh, obscure classic uh in mm. terms of x-men we've got we've got an episode all about some of the uh forgotten works of this this guy and by forgotten i mean stuff that's just older like we're talking <laughs> 70s comics sure here. yeah you might be talking about uh good old papa claremont aren't you yes we are talking about friend of the show uh chris claremont and we're going to talk about some of the stories that claremont wrote uh, in his earlier days in the 70s. Uh, so this will be fun. Uh, we're doing this because of Patreon supporter Robert. If you want to be like Robert, you can go on over to patreon.com slash comicsxf. Toss a couple of coins into our coffers. And you know what? We're going to we're gonna do something special for you. We're going we're gonna to make an episode all about your wild, deep cuts that you would like to see us talk about. Yeah, it's funny. I was going to describe this episode as like missing links to, to arcs that we've talked about before, but then I realized that's every episode of our show, technically. Every... So <laughs> I, I, so... Had, I had a friend, we were talking about different X-Men podcasts, as you do, and we're describing, oh, well, this podcast's more like X-Men 101, this one's like, uh, like a sophomore level course, or like a, a deep... Uh, lecture dive into certain facets of x-men and zach and adam your podcast is like two guys high on 2 a at 2 a.m in the cafeteria <laughs> talking about x-men i'm like yeah that's the vibe we're striving for here on this x-men podcast of which there are a billion yeah and i would disagree with that if uh our once we get to our third choice today i think people are going to be like what the hell are you talking about so why don't we start with like a a, a cut that I think most people are familiar with. This is Uncanny X-Men number 104. And uh, this is the time that the all-new X-Men, after Giant Size, first encounter Magneto. Yeah, the gentleman's name is Magneto. <laughs> yes, that's the name of the story. And uh, it's written by Chris Claremont, pencils by Dave Cockrum. This is odd. So I think it's fair to say Magneto was the good villain of the original X-Men comics in the Silver Age. And he wasn't really that good. He was just there, Dr. Doom, only worse. Right. Yeah, he's Dr. Doom light, but he had powers that could do just about anything, right? Right. And they, and Marvel had used him as kind of like a jobber in some other books uh, while the X-Men had, they were taking their, their short break. Mm -hmm. Now, the 1977 rolls around. And Adam... You know what? You know what Magneto was doing right right before this. Uh, if I remember correctly, and fans, you might remember this as well. Magneto, he's a baby. Yeah, Magneto was a baby. <laughs> De-aged in Defenders number what seventeen or something like that. Yeah, something. Yeah, it, Defender sixteen. Uh, there we what go. What it what had happened 
and I think this is very funny, is that <laughs> Magneto Magneto created life again. Because you got to remember, Magneto used to like mutate people, right? Like we think about that two thousands X Men movie being a little weird. Now that was pretty accurate to what Magneto was doing for like just a weird spell between nineteen sixty eight and nineteen seventy four. Hmm. Um. Yeah. Uh. And Magneto created Alpha. The Ultimate Mutant. And Alpha the Ultimate Mutant made him a baby. <laughs> Not just him, though, right? Or didn't he make a couple of uh, villains into babies? Do you know who his Brotherhood of Evil Mutants is in 1974, Adam? Uh, no, I don't. Blob. Mm-hmm. Mastermind. Okay. Unis the Untouchable. Loving it. And Lorelei? Oh, from the That's Savage a, Land. Okay. That's a strange pick, but all right. Cool, I, I guess. I've never read this Defenders comic. It doesn't sound <laughs> good because Magneto does get turned into a baby during it. Well, the this all comes back because the uh, X-Men team have been called to Moira's Mutant Research Island, which they oh, had you, no Moira idea Moira, their existed. housekeeper? <laughs> This issue is a lot of fun to read in the context of the uh, the Moira retcon, isn't it? Um, it's a heck of a lot of fun to read in the context of the Moira retcon. Uh, it's a heck of a lot of fun to read in general because, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, it's it's not it's weird because X Men is still finding its feet, and right. that's that's the thing that I don't think people understand is that they were really trying to figure out what what this franchise was. Yeah, there's there's some world building going on here though, right? Cuz you know, Claremont uh had previously written giant-sized Fantastic Four number 4 and introduced uh Jimmy Madrox who is knocked out on this island. He's uh Moira's research assistant and you know, they've been called to figure this out and see what's going on. So Cyclops is with Moira, but the rest of the team has to borrow a hovercraft from Angus McWarter. <laughs> Angus is not long for this world. Oh boy. And uh, he's not happy because, well, and, and that hovercraft doesn't last for long either because Magneto is, um, he's going to crash the, the poor X-Men into Moira Island. Yeah. Magneto, Magneto uh, crashes him into Moira Island. Uh, and they get into a fight. Uh, do you know why Eric? Or you? Do you know why Magneto uh, stops being a baby, Adam? <laughs> I believe it was because Eric the Red stopped by. Yeah, Eric. Eric the Red. Uh, Eric the Red, guy who's just ever present in early X Men comics for no good reason. <laughs> I love well, Eric the Red. There does seem to be a you know an ongoing thing with the Shi'ar and hey uh, we'll get to this but we do get our first glimpse at the Starjammers in this issue. We do get our first glimpse at the Starjammers. Yeah, talk uh, about trying to wait, figure it all out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right after because the next issue because what's also happening in this issue is that Jean Grey is introducing her parents to her new roommate Misty Knight. Yeah, yeah, getting some new status quos going on here. Um, but the fight between Magneto and the, and the new X-Men is really funny, right? I mean, we're realizing that, you know, Colossus being made of metal and Wolverine at this point having his metal claws, not great <laughs> for fighting the Master of Magnetism. Just immediately, 
They're like, oh, Magneto's <laughs> going to be a challenge in the future. <laughs> Moving forward, Magneto, we're going to have to... Well, we're going to lose two of our dudes right away. Just there's yeah. nothing we can do about it. Yeah. I mean, he basically, uh, you know, picks Colossus up and throws him like a, a tennis like, ball. I mean, <laughs> it's it's very much that part in the first X-Men movie where they're on the they're on the train and Magneto comes down and he's like... Oh, Wolverine! Wait, you? You're you know I do metal, right? And he throws him. He's like, "You aren't actually effective here. This is right. not your fight." Yeah, right? it's pretty great. Cyclops is very cocky here. He's you know he's very upset because you know the the new team hasn't trained to fight Magneto. Only the original team knows how to take Magneto down. It's to like, be fair, they lose. Magneto just like escapes. Yeah, yeah. And Wolverine wants to follow him, and Cyclops is like, nah, dude, we're going home. <laughs> he's another person's problem now. It'll be fine. And he's he's going to be A-OK that he was a baby in a cell that Moira McTaggart was taking care of for a while. That's not going to come back to bite the X-Men several times. <laughs> I, you know, never holds a grudge, uh, you, you know. I think, you know. so in light of the in light of the House of X, Powers of Ten, retcons, mm-hmm. I do think it's beautiful that you can pinpoint all of his 90s action to, like, his huge character shift back to super evil, is that he stopped following the plan because he found out that he got tricked into being a baby and that Moira may have done something to him and he's not sure. And he's just like, screw all of you guys. I'm doing this my own way now and I don't actually care. Yeah, it it does work. Uh, and it is fun to go back to these issues and connect them to uh, Mutant Genesis, X-Men 1, 2, and 3. And I love the Starjammers cameo at the end. We, we have uh, Corsair hanging out with Chode and Kree. And we also get a little Lalandra cameo here. So we're, we're really starting to expand. Oh, we also get a little, uh, uh, like, in the background preview of Proteus yeah. on We Are Island. Claremont, so. this, is, this is, like, Claremont is seeding things here. I don't think he knows where he's necessarily going with all of this. But he's <laughs> throwing ideas out there. Like, yep. right, it takes a little bit for the book to take off. And even now, even at like 104, it's going to take a bit. Uh, it's still, it's still ramping up into being like the good book. Right. But yeah, it's getting and it's darn about close. a year later that they will re-encounter Magneto um, in the Magneto triumphant story. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second because it kind of leads into our second story. But um, I don't think this is as good as that. It is not. Uh, I think you're talking about how we rank uh, stories on this list, Adam. Is that is that Yes. Correct? Yes, uh, that was my segue. Yeah, so on this X-Men podcast, we rank uh, every story from A to Z. And by that, we mean from best to worst of all time. The best X-Men story is The House of X Powers of Ten. The hundredth best story is Early Frost from Uncanny 314. 200, Mercury Falling from New X-Men. 300, X-Force, Volume 6, 17 through 19. I forget which one that is. It's a it's a Percy thing. It's good. Uh, 400, X-Men Age of Apocalypse from 2005. Number 500 is Marvel Team-Up, Volume 3, Number 19. <laughs> we got some weird stories on this list. Number 600 yeah. on this list is the Shatterstar Saga. 
Uh, and then the Dracos <laughs> at 638. Or 36, excuse me. 636. Wow, wow, wow. wow. Um, you highlighted yeah, Magneto just... Triumphant. What's that? 110. Yeah, this is not as good as that. Um, I think... I'm just working I think it's a my good way. amount of spots down. Uh, like, yeah, I'm going into the 200s here. Because New Mutants Annual is 198. New Mutants Annual is a step change better than this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, this is kind of fun, but it, I don't know. Like, it's also... Madripoor Knights is better. It's kind of goofy. That uh, one issue of Excalibur where they go to a bar at 241 is better. Yeah. Is this better than Hearts of Darkness at 254? Man, I love Hearts of Darkness. You're going to make me... I know you love Hearts of Darkness. Yeah. I think it is better than Hearts of Darkness. I think Hearts... You think this is better than Hearts of Darkness? I think this is providing a lot of... This is better also than Marvel Fanfare 7, Blob, and Eunice versus uh, the Hulk. You think this Um, is better than Blob and Eunice versus the Hulk? Um, yes, but I don't know if it's better than the first appearance of Juggernaut at 250. No, that is, the first appearance of Juggernaut is better. This can be our new 251. Okay, I think that's a good spot for it. Uh, you know, put it in a little block there with some other villains, which is great. (laughs) Uh, and so I mentioned, uh, about a year later, we have the X-Men fighting Magneto again in his volcano lair. The X-Team gets separated. And uh, that is where we are picking up with our second story, which is uncanny what here, Zach? 114 to 116. It's uh, Chris Claremont and John Byrne joint. You know Terry Austin's on those inks. Awesome. Love Terry Austin. Superstar. And you know what? The last, the last one introduced uh, Magneto to the all-new, all-different X-Men's roster. Mm-hmm. This one adds a couple of, couple of new villains as well. Uh, first... <laughs> Uh, you got Garak, the petrified man, and yep. then you also have Zaladane, she whose very name brings shivers of fear to the meek. Not to mention, we are also going to meet Carl Lycos and oh, Sauron, Sauron again. Yeah, Sauron's <laughs> in this one. R.I.P. Neil Adams. Yeah, rest in rest in peace, Neil. You did give us a uh, petrosaur in some jorts, and I don't know what else. <laughs> Uh, there is to say about that. It rules. Um, this is a weird story. So it's always felt to me that the X-Men definitely lost a bit of direction right here where they get split up for like a year from mm. Beast and Gene and Xavier. And there's fun stories here, but it takes a bit to get back into uh, into high gear. Now, granted, when they get back into high gear, it's Proteus and then Dark Phoenix Saga and then Days of the Future Pass. So, <laughs> and then God Loves Man Kills, like, right in that next year. So they kind of hit into highest possible gear. Yeah, and uh, there's nothing Claremont loves more than separating the team and then bringing them back together. So this is basically a Savage Land story, while Gene... Uh, and the beast made it out of where, where are they? They're on the winter side of Antarctica. <laughs> yes. Yes. The rest they, of our team punched through enough rock. Part. Yeah. The rest of the team punched through enough rock to get to the savage lands. Yeah. They're in the hollow earth part. <laughs> right. So, uh, you know, while they're there. Zaladane, she whose word means life or agony filled death. Is trying to resurrect uh, Garrock, the, what is he? The living something? The petrified man. 
The Bitch Fried Man, thank you. Um, who's going to do bad stuff? What is Garak's deal? I always forget. Does he have a deal? He's a god. He's, just, he's, he's, just a... he's you, under, you, you know how... Zaladane, she who speaks! She is a, she is a priestess. A dinosaur mm. priestess. Priestess. Yes. Uh, and she's worshiping uh, the petrified man, uh, Yorick. <laughs> anyway, that's all. The X Men have to stop dinosaurs. They have to stop Sauron. They have to stop Zaladane and Garrock. And they, uh, you know, are just kind of hanging out in like little to no clothing. Like Cyclops makes the great. I, I love the Cyclops scene where he realizes he looks like Corsair. Yeah, that rules when he's like, wait a minute, if I wear this bandana and give myself a mustache, I look like Corsair. And I know Corsair said my name. How could he know? (laughs) How does he know? American slang in space. It'll take like six years for for Cyclops (laughs) to actually realize that that's his dad. But it's very funny here. You get some great interaction. I love the Wolverine and Colossus interactions in this. Where mm-hmm. Colossus is very dumb and doesn't realize he's about to have his first threesome. And Wolverine's like, I'm not going to ruin this for you, kid. <laughs> the Storm has uh, been having a rough time with all this underground stuff happening. So she is very re-energized by being in the Savage Land. And yet becomes Sauron's victim. Because uh, Carl Lycos feeds off of energy and uh, becomes his pterodactyl self for the second issue of the arc. Yeah, that part's not as... I don't know. It's it's fine. Here's the thing. Like, I like all of these issues. I like them a lot. It's just like, I know how good X-Men is about to be, and these feel like they aren't there just yet. They're about to be the best comic. Yeah. I, you know, I was thinking while I was reading this, given that John Byrne, um, who I don't like as a person... Uh, John Byrne, uh, official enemy of this podcast, (laughs) has uh, spent a great deal of time writing fanfic uh, of X-Men on his own time. And a lot of it takes place from what I have seen in the Savage Land. I there do is a wonder. Not insa- it, it opens in the Savage Land. I have not kept up with John Byrne's uh, fan comic that he does. Yeah, there's apparently quite a few of those. I don't know. But he's keeping um, himself busy. Good. Great. Just keep him off the internet and, and away from people. No one can the... keep John Byrne off the internet. <laughs> Our greatest scientists have tried. <laughs> I will say that uh, his artwork with Terry Austin here looks fantastic. Uh, this seems like a really fun thing for them to be drawing. Uh, you get Kazar. Um, you get, oh, what is Kazar's? Uh, Zabu! Tiger. Zabu, thank you. You know, you get Honestly Sauron. upset you don't know that off the top of your head. It's been a long day. Uh, Zabu enough. escaped my mind. So it, it does seem like this is something that, you know, Claremont, and Byrne and Austin can all agree is like, hey, this is going to be a blast. Let's go have a jungle adventure. And uh, then then we'll, you know, we'll bring everybody back and we'll have the big, you know, milestone adventures. So, you know, it it's not as good as the stuff that will come immediately after it. But it's still a fun, you know, pulpy kind of adventure. It is. Uh, I, in general, enjoy this. It's just not the best. Like, it, it's just a pulp tale. It's still, it's not... Oh, this is what X-Men comics are. And I think we, we, we've we talked at length that, like, you don't get the mutant metaphor stuff till about 150. Mm-hmm. You yeah. get, 
you get, or well, I guess really Days of Future Past. Now that I say that, I'll, no, it's it's 141. It's Days of Future Past where that that really kicks into gear. In all of the all of the Claremont Burn stuff up to it is pretty good, uh, but it just it doesn't reach those same heights as Proteus and Dark Phoenix and Days of Future Past. And maybe it's not fair to judge it against those, but yeah, that's they're working what I'm up judging to it. it against. I I I think it's completely understandable, you know, to to compare the two because uh, that's what we do every week. But I do think there's some cool stuff happening here. Um, it's just doesn't reach the, the higher highs. So I guess if you are going to enjoy this one, it's going to depend a great deal on how much you love Savage Land stuff. And, you know, do you want to see Wolverine stab a Velociraptor in the head after it bit his hand? That's there fun. Is a, there is a part uh, that I think is actually really interesting where Wolver- Wolverine kills a dude. And it's like the first time Wolverine just straight up kills a dude. Yeah, yeah. And everybody's like, wait, what? <laughs> We're doing this now? <laughs> There's a lot of Wolverine character development in this, right? You know, we, we see him without the costume on, having these, like, interpersonal conversations. We see him talk to Zabu. And, like, be able to communicate animal to animal. You know, there's a lot of little things here that that are sort of building him out a little bit more, which is cool. There's a lot that's building him out. There's some fun stuff. It's going to depend how much you care about Zanadane. (laughs) And I'm going to be very honest, Adam. My friend, I know there's a lot of people who are very excited about Zanadane. Sure. Lorna Dane's sister. Lorna Dane's sister's Zanadane. <laughs> I'm just making so much work for you. I'm sorry. Of the Danes. Of the Dane Danes. Yes, that's how that's how names work. <laughs> I do think she's kind of stupid. Like, I don't. She's she was never one of the characters that I latched onto, and I'm so glad that people have found joy in Zanadane. She whose very name brings shivers of fear to the meek. But I just haven't. Look, you could look at any X Men character and really think, hey, this is a dumb dumb. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's really personal taste, right? I don't uh, know. I don't know what you're talking about, Adam. I definitely have not <laughs> glommed on to Glob Herman and or Maggot uh, for yeah. no apparent reason. Look, everybody's got their faves and that's that's great. I think uh, right off the bat, I'm looking at 341 on our list, which is Marvel Fanfare 1 through 4, which is the uh, Savage Land story drawn by michael golden is that michael well, golden? drawn by a lot of people it's it yeah. switches uh zaladane is in that one too just just as a as a point of reference yes i think this is way better than that though so i would probably work up the list a little bit but me well maybe way higher is i don't know uh 289 is that time wolverine fought a sentient pile of cocaine <laughs> i think that's better <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is better than that. This is not as good as Here Comes Tomorrow at 294. I would agree, um, but I do think... I think this is probably better than Legion Quest at 292. Uh, well, no, no, no. I'm saying I'm saying Here Comes Tomorrow is better than this. Oh, okay, okay. All right, I'm sorry. Let's, let's work our way down. Okay, hold on. He, I think I have the spot for it. Okay. And maybe this is just me being sentimental based on issues that just came out, uh, mm-hmm. starting Thunderbird. I think a current 300, X-Force minus one. Yes. I think X-Force minus one is better. Interesting. But okay. I, would, I would slide this in between X-Force minus one and that Percy X-Force arc we just talked about. 
That's the Quentin Quire stuff. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think that artistically, this is probably more interesting. I would, if, if I would squeeze it in between, you know what, just put it there. <laughs> I'm thinking too hard about this. And I think that this story is like not that interesting. So, uh, it's 301 fine. it is. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. Uh, what is interesting though, is our next story. Uh, yeah. I'd uh, never heard of this, and I'm very excited to talk about it. Yeah, I had to fight. I say fight's the wrong word. I had to make suggestions to Adam that we should cover this story uh, when we we're talking about things that Chris Claremont did uh, back in the 70s that are kind of forgotten. This comic came out in 1992. Sort of. So this is Marvel Superheroes 10 and 11, the Ms. Marvel stories. Now, very specifically, these were the initial plans more or less, for Ms. Marvel 23 and 24. Uh, at the time, Claremont was writing the book. And he had he had a couple of things that ended up being X-Men items mm-hmm. that were in these. It's very interesting. So what we can what we can see is in this first in this first one here called Sabretooth Stalks the Subway. It's Chris Claremont and Mike Vosberg. Mike Vosberg was the artist on these books, on the Ms. Marvel books. So this yeah. 20, this one was done. This one was like, maybe it wasn't lettered. It was more or less in the can. Yeah, so um, with the series being canceled at number 23, these are the two issues that were supposed to come after it. And issue 24, which is reprinted in Marvel Superheroes 10, it even includes the cover. Um, and it really does seem like this entire issue was in the can. Now, the next issue we'll get into a second, it kind of looks like some of it was done. Um, so it's a little more unclear about how much of it was finished. But it is really wild that this series had these issues just sitting around for so long. It's weird that, that you had not just... Th- this first one I understand. It's an early Sabretooth story. It's, in fact, the second Sabretooth story after his appearance in Iron Fist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's an early claremont story and claremont was their biggest writer for how long a decade decade and some change yeah easily uh and the the basic plot is is pretty interesting you know you've got the canadian government uh (laughs) protesting about sending saber tooth into america and yeah they uh, want they want to use saber tooth uh in case in case they want to get back weapon x Uh, that is wolverine which (laughs) If, if you look at when this was supposed to come out, was right around the time of that Wolverine, or one of the Wolverine stories where they said, hey, we're going to... It's it's right after the Canada thing, uh, mm-hmm. where the X-Men are on their way back from the Savage Land that we just talked about. It's right after that. Yeah, after when Alpha Flight tries to, to get them. Exactly. So they're, they're, this is Claremont weaving between his books, saying, hey, look... This is this is a thing I did. See it? See it? I'm Sabretooth is connected to Wolverine. I'm making this happen. It's pretty great to see Jasper Sitwell losing his mind about this. He's like, you don't understand. This guy is a mass murderer. You're gonna release him into the wild? You're insane. And Which at like, the time, yeah, let's yeah. be let's be fair. Sabretooth was just like a generic bad guy. He was not Sabretooth, the guy who kills a lot of people all the time. Right, right. Now this being the last two issues of this run of Ms. Marvel, it is also interesting that some of this stuff hadn't seen the light of day. There, 
characters being profiled here you know that either died or being reunited with with ms marvel and none of this stuff saw print so it's weird that like the continuity having just been left in a in a filing cabinet for so long it's wild yeah it is it is so weird uh you know number 10 or marvel superheroes 10 pretty pretty basic stuff there's some stuff with carol who Obviously, Chris Claremont really liked as a character, was building up stories uh, with her uh, and continued those stories in his Avengers, or not his Avengers, excuse me, and continued those stories in X-Men. We'll get to that bridge. Uh, but he was also building up characters like Mystique. Uh, she was introduced in Ms. Marvel, going to be a me- main enemy of Ms. Marvel, and we'll see the, the, the fruits of that, but... She uh she doesn't do anything in the in the twenty three issues of Ms. Marvel that are printed. She shows up once. That's it. Right. Um. And the early form of Mystique is interesting. You know, you get a chance to see her shape shifting, but even her partnership with uh with Destiny in her initial appearances is n- not really clear. Um, in her very first appearance where you actually get to see her, you see her with some sort of like paperweight on her desk with maybe some image coming off of it and her talking about how she's going to, you know, obey the Lord or, you know, whoever this this character is. Now, it's I some. Think, yeah. Yeah. It, is that supposed to be destiny? Like, what is it? And it very quickly uh, turns into, OK, destiny has had this vision Mystique and Miss Marvel are going to collide in some way. And, uh, you know, Miss Marvel, who kind of has this sixth sense about her, right? She has this ability to, you know, forecast. It's kind of like her own spidey sense. She's also sensing Mystique is, is coming and is going to be her doom. And that's just very generic stuff. In the second, the second issue, the second part of this, this is where it gets interesting. Because it's written by Claremont with uh, Simon Furman also does some work on this. Uh, it's there, There's a very clear delineation point of this is where the issue would have initially ended. And then this is stuff they added in the 90s to pad it out. There's a change <laughs> from Mike Vosberg to Mike Gustavich on pencils. Uh, Furman absolutely does all of that work uh, in writing. And you know how much of Claremont's actual script was finished. It's That's a great question. Say. It really is. Are, are, I mean, are you familiar with Furman? I mean, I obviously know Furman from uh, his run on Transformers. Yeah, he's the Transformers guy. Right. So it's really weird seeing him pick up this and kind of give a... It almost feels like the end of a what-if issue to give this little synopsis it of like where... It feels a lot like the end of a what-if issue here. Doesn't it? Like it fast-forwards through what happens to uh, Ms. Marvel after this um, in Avengers Annual 10 and turning into binary and all of that stuff. Um, but the second issue, I think, is is still more interesting than uh, the first because you, you have... Know, if, if this comes out, if this issue actually comes out as an issue of Ms. Marvel, do you yeah. know who you are introduced for the first time in this issue? This is the Hellfire Club. The Hellfire Club, Sebastian Shaw, Harry Leland, Donald Pierce, Tessa. Yep, uh, Sage is here. You got Destiny, you got Avalanche, you got Pyro. The you have you have Mystique's Brotherhood team that shows up in Days of Future Past, with the exception of Blob, who was a later addition 
that John Byrne put in because he wanted to have some connectivity to the original Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, or at least the 60s version. Yes, Blob wasn't one of the original, original members. He's there pretty, you know, within like the first year. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of Rogue here as well. So, well, and Ro- Rogue Rogue is very much a later edition. She's yeah. not in. She's not in the Claremont parts of this. She is. Well, she is still on the Vosburgh pages, though. Um, if if you look, she is on page nineteen, and the the story switches over after Pyro like shoots this giant flame phoenix into the sky at miss marvel it immediately looks like it would be a a uh, splash page to end an issue in 1979 sure and the very next page like it's you can tell we're in 1992 baby like you know this art looks very much of the time and like it's very obvious that we've got the jim lee liefeld influence on what's going on here it looks terrible um it does not look good <laughs> and it's all designed to kind of be this this bridge um between where it was left off and where it was going i don't know if it was necessary you know okay, it's the one, a weird here's thing the, here's the one weird thing they add i say one weird thing like this isn't just like weird that this exists what they add to that 92 addition to it is the fight between ms marvel and rogue Yes. That you never see before. You see you see a bridge and Ms. Marvel falling off of it. And that's what you get in that Avengers annual. You don't get a big knockdown drag out fight where Rogue absorbs all of Ms. Marvel's powers. Uh, and sets both characters up for what they're going to become. Yeah, and that, that does beg the question. You know, was there... Was this the original ending of 25? No. You know? No, I can tell you for a fact. The answer is no. They solicited what 25 was going to be. It was going to be a breather issue. Uh, oh, interesting. Okay. Like they were going to wrap up wrap up this thing and then it was it was going to go to a different plot and there's going to be other stuff going on. Uh, so no, all of this is manufactured to say, okay, how do we, Ms. Marvel's over. How do we connect it to everything that actually happened? Yeah. Um, regardless, I think this is fascinating. It's, it's an absolutely fascinating uh, artifact of this time period. The fact that it stayed on a shelf for so long and then they decided to pull it out for, you know, I think most people know about this book, Marvel Superheroes, because of the, the single issue that goes for lots of money because it has Squirrel Girl in it um, with the Eric Larson cover. But the rest of these issues as part of this series was a, all basically remainders and you know, just fill, what was it like fill in issues? Like maybe some stuff from Marvel comics presents that was thrown in there. It's not very high quality stuff. No, yeah, it's a, it's a bad quarterly book. And I don't know if these stories are good actually. Um, I do think they are very interesting and you can see Claremont's DNA in this. 100%. It's, it's all about, you know, his strategies of, you know, trying to cross pollinate all of these books with his characters so that you would follow along and that you would read everything that he was writing and get you excited about it. Um, and I, I think for people who are, you know, looking for those connective threads and have never seen these because you didn't realize they were there. Um, if you look these up in Marvel Unlimited, the rest of the 80 pages of each of these issues are not 
on Unlimited, but the Mar- Ms. Marvel stuff is. So yep. I definitely recommend you at least take a look at it. It's one of the weirder things um, that I've seen, you know, in terms of looking at archival material, deciding to republish it and deciding to add a new ending that connects to Avengers Annual 10. It's, it's really weird. Is it good? Eh, eh. That's debatable. How do we feel about it compared to 598 on our list, uh, which is Marvel Superhero Special 6 through 8, which is that time Roy Thomas wrote an Australian Outback X-Men story that connects uh, back to his uh, Sentinel story, where they this fly is, to the moon, or the sun. Yeah, this this is better. This is definitely better than that. This is better than that. This is better than X-Women at 582. Again, X-Women is a beautiful, beautiful comic that's absolutely atrocious. Yeah, I do think we're probably in the 500s, though. You oh, know, we're, in the fi- we're in the 500s. <clears throat> I'm looking at 529, which is uh, Brood Feud 2, and I think that's more fun than this. Yeah, I'd rather reread Brood Feud 2. I'd rather read Heroes for Hope at 537. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather but... read Iceman Volume 1 at 543. Yeah, I would agree with that. How do you feel about it compared to Quest Probe? <laughs> I think from a historical the, the X, perspective, the X video game tie-in comic for yeah. a video game that never came out. Just in terms of its context alone, I I, I think this is more interesting than Quest Probe, um, but I don't think it's better than at five forty four X Force and Cable Annual ninety seven. I don't think this is better than the onslaught X Force and X Man stuff. All right, so is this going to be our new five forty six? This will be our new five forty six. Uh, we'll eventually find some more Ms. Marvel stuff. I really do like Carol Danvers because I'm an X-Men fan. Um, and I've read the stuff where she's binary and it rules. I wish, (laughs) I truly wish there was more good Carol Danvers comics out there. Yeah. Uh, and going back and reading the Ms. Marvel series for the Mystique stuff was fun in, uh, getting ready for this episode. So, uh, you got Deathbird stuff in there. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of threads that he is starting to weave there, and it's really neat. It is, it is some wild, wild times. Yeah. Uh, and I want to thank Patreon supporter Robert for uh, helping us out here and saying we should talk about some weird stuff, but we talked about some weird stuff. <laughs> you want to be like Robert, patreon.com slash comicsxf. That's X-Ray Foxtrot. And uh, yeah, throw some money. We'll do an episode for you. We got we got a lot coming, a lot of weird stuff coming for sure, uh, but some good stuff too. Uh, we also uh, would like to thank Zaladane, she who speaks, for her great contribution uh, to this. <laughs> uh, Adam, what do you got going on? Uh, not much, folks. You can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy and uh, Zach. This snuck up on us. Uh, next week is our two hundred fiftieth episode. Did we plan a bit for this? No. That's no. Sad. We, y'all got a lot of bits out of us in the past. This one, we're just going to have a nice little birthday episode celebrating Wolverine. Um, but the but the one we like more. Laura Until King. then, folks. It's Laura. It's Laura. We like Laura. We like, we're modern X-Men fans. We're men of taste. Uh, <laughs> but until then, folks, this has been Bally Adam. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!